three, two, one. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Daniel, did you know Jake Evans is going to be a Montreal Canadian for the next two years? Wow. Solid yeah. guy. Seventh round pick. Yeah, we got to talk about this guy a lot more. You know? Yeah, we do. Uh, we, we've well, heard from the comments, from the requests that, you know, there's not enough Habs content. Just one it's person. a mystery source, though. It was just one person. Yeah. Um, before nope, we that... go on, though, I just want to say Carey Price. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I I had I had uh, reporting sports this morning, mm-hmm. and I completely blanked out for like fifteen minutes because we I had breaking news mid class, and I feel awful that I missed mm. fifteen minutes. Um, yeah, I just but want that's to start. Okay. I just want they, they understand uh, though. They uh, have to be like I'll, you know. Yeah, I'll tell you. We'll get to we'll get to that news after. I just wanted to bring it up to start the show because I thought it was extremely important that you guys know mm-hmm. I blanked out for 15 minutes. Um, let, let's start uh, with uh, John Liu, who's obviously uh, recently posted. He's, he was COVID-19 positive. Uh, I, I don't have the post up right now. I'll, I'll pull that up right now. Obviously. Right okay, Daniel, would you like yeah, to? Yeah. Um... Yeah, he kind of talked about how he wants to spread awareness of what was going on with symptoms he had and even beyond like the 14 days of being in quarantine, the amount of things he's had to deal with. I remember he was talking about how he had he blacked out twice and just, you know, it was a well, it was a grounded post where he talked about how honestly, the words he used there like it's not a hoax. Take this seriously and you know, don't, yeah, don't, don't be those people that don't wear masks. Don't you mean it's not people. a Democrat conspiracy theory? It's not. Like, if we yeah, clear that out of the way now, it's not a Democratic conspiracy theory. Um, Sorry. But yeah, for yeah. John Liu, like, we wish him, him and his family like, the best. Uh, for speedy recovery. Um, in everything, too, he asked, you know, donate to, like, the indigenous communities in Canada. They're the ones that most especially have been hit the hit pretty hard by COVID-19. Wish John Liu the best, you know, one of the best beat reporters we know. Montreal in Montreal. Yeah, Montreal connection right there. Montreal. Um, absolutely. Uh, let's move on to, so yesterday or a couple of days ago now, September 22nd. So depending on when you're listening to this, for us, it's a day ago. Um, Emily Kaplan and Greg Wyshynski wrote their article, NHL Bubble Confidential, Go Inside the Toronto and Edmonton Playoff Hubs. Now, we know to start the uh, bubbles, it, there was going to be no independent media in the bubble. And, I mean, I had my concerns with that. You look at the NBA and, you know, the stories coming out of there and how, how great they are. I'm glad we got this story. Um, that's that wasn't from NHL.com or the NHL Network or 
or, or anything like that. And, and, you know, for the most part, like there wasn't a lot that we haven't talked about. I think the players, from what I've read, the players have, uh, have, felt really safe when they were inside the bubble in terms of the testing and stuff. Obviously, yeah, it, it did feel um, kind of like a prison is the way that they put it. And, and that, you know, they, they're like, I think Mike said it best when we were talking about the Brandon Preston, Steve Simmons stuff last episode, that they're humans, right? Mm-hmm. Like we can't forget that. Like imagine like, yes, they're inside a bubble, and it's a nicer bubble than what maybe most people are are living in. But mm-hmm. like for like, let's think back to like when all this started back in March, where we were practically all asked to stay inside our homes. We couldn't really go out. There wasn't really anywhere to go. Like that was difficult. And and I see where they're coming from from their perspective at least. Um, but. Like, obviously, we've had those discussions before, but the one thing that I, I, I really did want to point out is that it, was, it wasn't as advertised is the start of one of their, of their sections when it comes to the amenities. Obviously, we heard about all these great things that they were going to do um, in, terms of, in terms of golf. Uh, going, doing this, going, doing that, having lots of food trucks. And I, and I think there was a lot of confusion because it seemed like, well, it didn't seem like the, the quote-unquote excursions were really there. Um, and and it felt, the players felt like they were falsely, it was falsely advertised. And I think that that did get on their nerves a little bit. And for me, at least, the fact that they didn't have media, independent media in there, now I'm starting to think, is this why they didn't have independent media in there? Because I can't think of any other reason. Yeah, I don't know. Just um, it just when I think about this, when you say that about you know not as advertised, I just think of the Washington Capitals and kind of the reports on how that team kind of handled everything that. It, it was it was like okay in a weird way that like they didn't seem motivated but it's like they made the most out of what they were going through with the bubble and I guess one thing is something we've talked about before where we kind of separate the fans and the fans of like these athletes and then understanding I guess the human side of it where sometimes I really kind of feel that there's some people that just they can't differentiate between the games and like the NHL video games in a way like you know these players are like immovable that it's based on their talent and this is where they go and one thing I kind of really got through that article was like the like the one Western Conference player said like they don't understand the emotional toll that goes on to these players that have to go to the bubble like yeah they're grateful that they have the opportunity you know to go for the Stanley Cup but the what they've kind of been going through and then when you kind of realize that what they want to do now for a new start date that you know, we have these few months again, and then they're going to go for an even longer duration in the bubble. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I think there's going to be a lot more questions being asked going into whatever they decide to do uh, for the 2020-2021 season. And I, I, just before we kind of move on from that subject of, of athletes being humans – I'm going to promote Daniel's recent article in the Ryersonian 
where he talks about uh, the recent backlash to Pascal Siakam. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Go check his social media. It's there. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. Um, great article. I read it. You should most definitely read it if you haven't read it. Um, and, and I think it ties perfectly to what you were talking about, right? Like, I think we forget because they make millions of dollars that they're not human or they don't have emotion or feelings. They most definitely do. And, you know, this reminds me of a lot of things that, you know, some certain people have been talking about with Tuker Ask. I mean, we've talked about, we've talked about the Tuka, mm. Tuka Rask thing. And, and it all relates back to these athletes are human. Like we can't, we can't forget that, right? Mm. Like just because they have millions of dollars doesn't mean they don't have feelings. Um, I mean, yes, they have media training, right? Like let's not pretend that they don't have media training, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean you can just crap on them because, you can't yeah. just crap on them personally. Like, there's a difference between, like, I think there's a difference between what we do most of the time and what, so, what a lot of social media does. Like, I'm not going to attack, I mean, other than someone's dad, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to go after someone's family because yeah. I just don't think that's right. It's just like an ironic thing in a way where, whole story's not out there and people kind of like really like you know berate Tukarask yeah. and like question his commitment to the team yet like that's like the very culture of the NHL in a way where they always want to be like the team centric kind of thing they all the stories kind of stay in with the team that you know they, nothing really leaks and yeah it's just like you can't win with these like these people that criticize it like that yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting. It's going to be interesting how they do or what if they do the bubble, what their, what the process is. Because I think one of the things that they talked about in the article was the reaction of the players when they checked out and the thousands of dollars worth of room service mm -hmm. because they didn't realize they had to pay for it. Um. Yeah, it just seems like there was a. I, I don't know. I don't want to say they rushed things, but I feel like things were definitely not communicated properly. Yeah, and I think that's where the issues start when things aren't communicated properly, and you're you're falsely advertised. And I feel, I feel like I'm walking backwards from what I said last episode because I was really praising the league, and and I think. I think we all were. I th we yeah. all were, but I think you still have to give the league some praise for setting up the bubble and not having any fault and not having any positives. But I think I'm going to take some of that praise back because clearly, from what the players are saying, there were issues in terms of what was communicated to them. Uh, there was also the family situation, right? only the Canadian players' families were coming in. And even at that, you had to fly them in private. Or there's just all these things that you had to do before getting them in. So, again, that's another thing that is a mess. So, I mean, we're a week and a half at max from finishing the season. So, 
I, I think now the players are really going to start focusing on what is next for next season. Yeah, I think like everything winding down and with what the players kind of know now from like this short tenure with the bubble. Um, yeah, it just kind of like I hope the league kind of understands like what what changes have to be made. But at the same time, too, like it's it's what you said as well. Like no positive cases or anything. Like maybe the praise was way too high for the NHL. We were comparing it to the other leagues. Like yeah, I think it still should be up there. But yeah, for sure. Like I think there's some reservations now. For sure. Um, let's move on. We had the rest. Like, do you have anything else to say before? Moving um, on? No. It was an interesting feature that like I didn't think they'd be able to kind of release this out of the bubble before everything yeah. ended. So it was yeah. a good. It's a good way for us to kind of have that, uh, you know, that peek inside of, you know, what's really going on. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to Greg Wyshynski and Emily Kaplan for, I don't, and you said it, I, I didn't think we were going to get something like this for sure, just because there was no independent media in the bubble. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we got it and we love it. Um, there were some awards handed out. Uh, yes. One, two, four. There were four, five. Five awards can't count. Um, we're gonna save the the most controversial one for last. Okay. We're, let, let's start with um, let's start with the Calder. Uh, obviously, we had the three nominees were Dominic Kubalik, uh, Quinn Hughes, and Kale McCarr. If you haven't heard, Kale McCarr has won the twenty twenty Calder, which is for the Rookie of the Year. I know um, when Adam hears you say that, he's going to be laughing because he, yeah. he was the only one that chose him. Hey, I'm, st- I'm still sticking to my decision that Quinn Hughes should have won. Armin Dial from The Athletic. He was way too convincing to me. He was he switched, way too convincing, yeah. He made me switch from McCarr to uh, Hughes. All I'm saying, I, I think both were worthy candidates to win. Yeah, both franchise cornerstones on the back end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think... It, for me, it was kind of 50-50 who won. I thought the edge was Quinn Hughes. Adam didn't even think Quinn Hughes was going to win. So, listen, Adam was right. Okay? I said it. I said Adam, it. Adam, you were right. I, I'm looking into the camera. Adam, you were right. Um, third, obviously, was Dominic Kubalik. Fourth, Adam Fox. To round out the f- top five, and I can't believe he didn't make the top five. It was Elvis Merz-Lincolns, and it should have been Mackenzie Blackwood. I will stand my ground yeah. on Mackenzie Blackwood. Okay? I love the guy. I will stand my ground on, on that man. Um, damn, I'm so upset. It's okay. But there's another guy you know, who you know made who, the, uh, what? You know who didn't? You know who didn't even get a vote? Was it Ilya Mikhaev? Ilya Mikhaev, what is this? I know. This is ridiculous. The Leafs are everything, okay? I think at least Don't one guy there, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had yeah, no, I don't care. It's okay. Not a big deal. Um one guy that we have talked about who made the all rookie team yeah. out of this vote. Nick Suzuki. Adam's boy. Former Las Vegas Golden Knight rookie or prospect. Nick Suzuki. I think uh, so I, even I when that trade happened, I knew Montreal won that trade. Yeah. You knew, you had to have <laughs> – I mean, Thomas Tatar was kind of like a reclamation project, but you knew you knew Nick Suzuki uh, would, would be something. Yeah. No questions. No 
questions asked. Would you like to move on to the next award? Yeah, I think that one was kind of not deflating. It just kind of like if it, I don't know, like all loved Dominic Kubalik, but it was between Hughes and Makar, and whoever won, you know, I feel that it was valid. Both were deserving. Both yeah. were deserving in my eyes. Okay, that's it. Um, the next one is the Vesna, and the guy yeah. who won was fully deserving of winning. Um, we had in third place Andre Vasilevsky, second Tuka Rask, and first Connor Hellebuck. That Consensus guy. Consensus number one pick for that. Can, I, listen, I don't. I think Tuka Rask definitely des- deserved some praise. I think he was very good for the Boston Bruins. Same goes for Andre Vasilevsky. I, I just didn't think. I thought Connor Hellebuck through the entire regular season was so consistent for that team. Tuka Rask, I don't think, played enough games. And Andre Vasilevsky, they started the season off slowly, and that's why he didn't get my first-place vote. Yeah. What do you not, think? Not like not, yeah. I kind of feel like with Tuka Rask, he didn't really play as many games. And for Vasilevsky, yeah, like – it's the kind of guy where, like, I was surprised with the early struggles and the way the team was because, like, we're looking at them now where everything has kind of come together in the Stanley Cup final and how consistent they are and how strong they are that, like, even when, you know, he has that defense in front of him, he's like, you know, he stands on his head. Yeah. There's, well, there's two names that, well, okay, you know what? I don't, why does Tristan Jari have a Vesnavo? He played pretty well. Made the All Star game. Uh, okay, but I don't think. Listen, I don't like. He only got a third. He got the third, a th- one third vote. I just, I didn't think he deserved yeah. it. But okay, that's fine. I think, I think if he played another fifteen more games, then maybe. Depending on how he played. Yeah, depending on how he played. I guess. Were okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Markstrom finished fourth. But he got zero first place votes. Which, listen, I'm not complaining about. I just think there, there's most definitely an argument to be made that the way Vancouver played this year and still, I mean, still played quite well through most of the season, they were really riding on Markstrom most of the year. Yeah, like I think, you know, he didn't really have the Connor Hellebuck numbers. No, but he was kind of the reason why they made the playoffs. Like that team has been pretty solid offensively, but in terms of everything else, like they needed to rely on Markstrom like crazy this year. He, he Markstrom this year was kind of like the Freddie Anderson of uh, fifteen sixteen or no sixteen seventeen. Sorry, mm-hmm. when, Yeah, pretty much. Um, anything else about the Vesna? Was there a guy you were surprised got a vote? Was there a guy you thought that should have got a vote but didn't? Uh, John Gibson. I really think that he uh, carried carried the weight like come crazy on. for the Ducks. <laughs> Daniel, come on. Um, yeah, no. Like we talked about it before, Connor Hellebuck. I think's you know consensus. Yeah. Um, now there's a lot of guys on this list. The Norris. Went this is your to, guy, right? I both. Uh, oh, I don't remember who I picked. I picked Victor Hedman. I might have picked 
Roman Yossi, but I have a feeling I picked John Carlson because I didn't think the league had the balls to the best offensive defenseman. To, yeah, I didn't think they had the balls to move from that, but apparently I was wrong. Um, so Hedman finished third, Carlson second, and Roman Yossi is your 2020 Norris Trophy winner. Well deserved, I think so. Like another guy who kind of carried the Predators. Yeah, and and I don't know if he. No, Adam did put it in there that Yossi stole the Norris from Hedman, and personally, I, I I don't I don't have an issue with Yossi winning it over Hedman. I'd have an issue more of an issue if Carlson won it over Hedman. I think yes, Yossi did put up many points for this team, and he was very offensive, but. It seemed like he did take that like step this season. Now, is he going to still have that step next season? Is is up in the air. But this season, during the regular season, he did take that next step for the team. Now he's their captain. He's prob- he's most definitely their best defenseman. And this year, it seemed like he was the only guy on that team that could do anything other yeah, than his his partner. To. Other than had his partner, our partner Ryan Ellis. Yeah, like other than their defense, really, like I didn't see any positives with the Predators this year. So, what I kind of found what was good with the last two awards, the Vesna and the Norris, is like they picked those two guys that became super, like you know, arguably yeah. superstars for their team this year because they needed them the most for it. It's not like I think it's hard to argue sometimes. Like even though Hedman was my choice, I think sometimes when people say like, oh, but look how much talent is around him and look how consistent they've been. Like the way they've been showing it now with the amount of injuries they've had to deal with, like, look how consistent everyone's kind of been. So like, sometimes they say like, he's a product of his team and he's not really like that catalyst that, you know, Roman Yossi had to be. Yeah. I mean, I think you put Victor Henman on any other team. He does, he does what he's doing, but, but I definitely, see where you're coming from. I just, I don't know how so many people had John Carlson ahead of Victor Hedman on the, on their ballots. But listen, I'm not going to complain about it. They put, they, they had their reasons. They put their, their names in that order on the ballot. I mean, yeah. Like, like what I say for John Carlson is like, the last few years, I never thought he'd break out like this, to be honest. I don't think a lot of people did. Like, I thought he was like a 37, 35-point guy his entire career. Yeah. And then suddenly, like, when they're, like, serious about the cup runs, they're yeah. like, okay. <laughs> you know who's missing on the ballot, though? Really sucks. Is it Morgan Riley? It's Cody Cece. Oh, I'd love to see that guy. Just I, 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 I gave him a vote <laughs> because he shoots right-handed. <laughs> No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm gonna be serious, okay? Um, Erasmus Sandin will be there one day. I hope. I mean, that'd be and pretty, Jamie Drysdale for the Anaheim Ducks. Oh yeah, he will. That guy will be up there. I love that guy so much. Um, let's do this one first. The the Ted Lindsay. This one's voted on by the players, and the players have voted for Leon Drysdale. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I don't this know. is um, given to annually. Yeah. I'm just gonna. Yeah. Go ahead. Quickly, given annually to the most outstanding player in the NHL. 
That sounds like what Leon Dreisaitl did this year. He was outstanding. Yeah. Amazing. I think, you know, sometimes, you know, this well-deserved. I know that he's always had a lot of praise already the last few seasons, but he's the kind of player where, you know, when you take McDavid out of the equation, it just shows, like, so much more, like, you know, like, it just, it's, it's you know, I'm not an Oilers fan, but, like, if I were to be Sound an Oilers like fan in the situation, like, how gratifying it is that, you know, you got a lottery pick right that wasn't first overall. <laughs> they couldn't even get a first overall pick right. They yeah. Pick Neil okay? <laughs> but other than that, like, these right guys were just... In, my head. in a way, too, like, when Dreisaitl was picked, I remember a lot of people were saying, oh, that was a bad pick. Mm-hmm. And then they get, like, Sam Bennett or Michael Del Cole. Boo-hoo. You got Leon Dreisaitl, okay? Yeah, I remember, like, Deal with a it. lot of people were, like, Justifying Sam Reinhart should have been over Leon Dreisaitl. Or you know, even Aaron Ekblad, if you're going to look back that now. Yeah. Um, I mean, listen, the NHL players picked that one. I I, I do think based on the description, it does sound like he deserved that award. Um, Let's move. This is probably the most for me is is the most controversial i think there was a lot of controversy coming on twitter yesterday uh one guy in particular got absolutely blasted um for not having the the winner on his ballot and i think that's a load of baloney that he was blasted i mean he can do whatever the hell he wants he has a vote i don't um dom decision obviously He's analytically inclined. I I think that's the best way. Like he came to talk to our class Mm -hmm. uh, in first year. I'd make the argument he is extremely analytically inclined, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, He didn't. He did not have Domlesision. He did not have. Sorry, Leon Dreisaitl in his top five, I believe. Mm -hmm. Do you know what the definition of the? Of the uh, heart trophy is, um, is it like the most valuable player to their team? The it says here, the heart trophy as the most valuable player in the NHL. Okay. Okay. Connor McDavid finished fifth. <laughs> now. So let's do the top five. McDavid finished fifth, Pasternak fourth, Artemi third, Mac, uh, McKinnon came in second, Leon Dreisaitl was first. We all agreed. I think we all agreed that Nathan McKinnon came yeah. in second. I I thought Nathan McKinnon was gonna win it. I came in for. We thought he'd come in first. Sorry. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I don't know what's going with on with me. Um, we're pretty loopy from our classes. If anyone yeah. could notice that. How? Okay. I'm looking at Dom stuff right now, and yeah, you know, if Mike was on the show today, he'd be really happy looking at Why? the. Why did he have Artemi winning? Artemi Panarin was number one for the Hart Trophy. So I'm fine with Artemi and Nathan McKinnon as my top, as top two. Like they were literally, Artemi was literally the Rangers for most yeah. of the year, right? Nathan McKinnon was like 40 points ahead of the next closest guy because so many guys got injured. 
I, I don't know how I make the argument for David Pasternak simply because the way I look at it, each player is equally equally important to that line. I think they're all great players. Don't get me wrong. They're all top-tier players, no question. How do you have Connor McDavid fifth? And I listen, I told Adam I'd be devil's advocate. It's really like I thought about it last night. I saw all the garbage on Twitter, and I can't be a devil's advocate right now, so I'm just going to go off. <laughs> I think it just, you know, when people kind of factored in, I think it was like, you know, the injuries, just they kind of looked he at He was injured for – Connor McDavid was injured for how many games? Yeah. That's um, not – excuse. He's not even the most valuable player to his own team, let alone the league. I don't care that he scored 110 points. He, there's a trophy for that. If you want to award mm-hmm. the trophy to the guy with the most points, let's get rid of the heart and just keep the Art Ross. Right, okay, I'm gonna be a bit of a devil okay, advocate with this thank one. Thank you, I appreciate that. What about when Malkin won over Crosby? Okay, was Crosby how if if okay, Crosby was injured for long yeah. periods of time, then I think you can make the argument that Evgeny Malkin was the MVP of that team. If if that's the case to be made, I don't remember what year this was. This was okay. Let me check. Um... This year, Connor McDavid was injured for a very small amount of games. How many were they? I'll search it up. Uh, hockey reference. Oh, yeah, okay. You're right. Yeah, Crosby. I think that was the first, the second year of the... Uh, was it a concussion? A concussion. Was that the concussion That's when he, had 20, he only had 37 points in 22 games. Let me do the math here. He played, he missed seven games. Connor McDavid? Yeah. Okay, wow. And and was behind by 13 points. I'm sorry, he's not the MVP of his own team, let alone the league. Like I'm sorry, you, you're bashing Dom decision for not even having him in the top five. He's not even the MVP of his own team. What a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah, um, I, I know everyone was kind of saying like you know McDavid's gonna have a fire going into next season, but he most definitely will. Yeah, um, I don't like it's it's hard to kind of gauge because like Drysaddle really did have an excellent run and you know he he's not a one-dimensional guy but yeah it's it's kind of tough because like every time we kind of talked about where like these injuries happen and you see that one guy that one other star kind of go off um but wait Daniel wait no yeah wait 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 what you described to me sounds like the Ted Lindsay award Mm-hmm. The award given annually to the most outstanding player in the NHL. That what you what you describe of Leon Draisaitl sounds like that. Mm-hmm. The Hart Trophy is for the most valuable player in the NHL. Leon Draisaitl is not the most valuable player of his own team. <laughs> it's Connor McDavid. It's not even a question. It's not even a question. Mm-hmm. Like so, if you were to say okay, McDavid, like hypothetically, if we're gonna use NHL twenty, what he's like a ninety six, ninety seven, something like that. Yeah. yeah so what would you what would you put Drysaddle at? 
I don't know. What, I know wait, what, do, you mean? what do you mean? What I mean, do you mean? Very ob- I'm just kind of thinking like, so if McDavid's like a level like here, where's Dreisaitl go? He's lower I, I, than him. He's I'm just realizing if you don't watch the YouTube, you're not going to see my uh, the YouTube video. You're not going to see my hand. So if Connor McDavid's if at he's like a 10. Up here, yeah. Yeah. So what is Dreisaitl? If Connor McDavid's 96 overall, Leon's like 92. 92. Okay. Like he's, st- listen, he's not a bad, like we're arguing who's, who's the best guy, like who's the MVP of the league. Just because I don't put him number one doesn't mean he's garbage. This isn't Ricky Bobby and Tyler Bacon. Right? <laughs> yeah. If you ain't first, you're last. That's not what this is. It's not what it is. All I'm saying is he's not the MVP of his team. When you think of the Edmonton Oilers and I say, who's the MVP of the Edmonton Oilers? In a, imagine they played 82 games. Connor McDavid, number one. Leon Dreisaitl, number two. Now, yes, he missed six games. Okay? I understand that. But six games. It's not like the Malkin year. How many games did Crosby miss that year? He missed 60 games. 60? Yeah. So it sounds very fair to give Evgeny Malkin the MVP because he seemed like the MVP of his team. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we going to say the same thing about Corey Perry in 2011? Sure. Yeah. Who was yeah. injured? Getzlav? Getzlav was injured, right? But they still had Solani and, you know, and Bobby Ryan when he still put up 70 points. But was – okay. Was, was he better than those guys? Corey Perry? Yes. Um, yeah, at the rate he was at. And the fact that he didn't have okay. Getzlav playing you – know, being his playmaker, I guess, yeah. Getzlav missed the entire season. I don't remember this he missed, year. I, was um, quite, I must have been young. He missed a significant chunk. It was like right after, um, right after the trade deadline. That's when he kind of got injured. Um, I can check here now. Uh, oh, he suffered a nasal, multiple nasal. Sinus fractures oh. after being struck in the face with a puck. Oh, sure. But he still appeared yeah, sure. in 67 games. Uh, that okay, year so, but and... that's still a signif- significant chunk of games. Yeah, he played. He had 76 points in 67 games. Who, Getzlav or Perry? Getzlav. Uh, Getzlav. Perry played the entire season and he had 98 points. And, and he was that goals. much better than he was that much better than Perry. Uh, he was much that much better than Getzlav. Because at the end of the day, <clears throat> Connor McDavid is much is is better than Leon Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. So was he that much better in the six games that he in that that McDavid missed? I like don't he's think running so, he's yeah. running his own line. And I understand he he's running his own line now, so I'm not gonna say oh he's just playing on McDavid's wing. That's not true. But McDavid is the MVP of that team. At the end of the day, whether you like it or not, Connor McDavid is the MVP of that team. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just okay. This is the way I view things. Where it, it is like a league choice in a way that I don't like. What I've kind of seen recently is that you know you don't always see the same type of people, same type of players. Sorry, uh, win the awards consistently. Like. We're not having a Nicholas Lidstrom situation anymore where there's these four, like he wins like what, three or four in a row, Norris trophies. 
Yeah. I think for just the sake of it, the way the people have been voting, to be honest, this is my opinion, is just what's been like considered the most attractive choice where it's like Leon Dreisettle, like narrative of he carried his team. For six games. For then six Connor games. McDavid came. That's the, they're saying he carried his game, his team for six games. Connor McDavid carried. Fine, he didn't carry the team like he used to, but mm. he was still that team for the rest of the season. So yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't care if it's a hot take or garbage take. It's my take. Connor McDavid's the MVP of that team. Pretty funny. I didn't really expect to talk too much about this one because I like last week I was like for sure like yeah Nathan McKinnon's gonna win it. It should have been Nathan McKinnon. I think so. Yeah. It should have been Nathan McKinnon because he was, he was, that much better than everyone else on his team because of in, obviously because of injuries, hmm. and multiple players missing significant time on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I went off. I'll let you. Oh have no the problem. Floor. Yeah, I'll let you have uh, the floor for a little bit. That's okay. You know, uh, for me, I'm big fan of Leon. You know, I'm not an Oilers. Like I'm actually, I actually don't like the Oilers, but um, I, I'm a big Leon fan. And you know, the fact that he could kind of win it that was it was nice to see. But like, I, I know what you're getting at. Where he 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 wasn't the best player on his team, um, and. Yeah, I don't know where else to go, to be honest with this one. Like, it's, it is hard. Like, I know the points yeah. were there, but maybe it's something we don't know. Like, because, like, you know, maybe I'm optimistic too. Like, you know, this is not the same Oilers team where, well, like, in a way they are, where they don't yeah, they have the same amount of depth, but, you know, it's not as bad as it used to be. No, you're right. Uh, let, before we move on, I, it actually just came back in my mind. I didn't write this down. And I, and I go, I, I woke up this morning. I said, today I'm not in a good mood with Edmonton Oilers fans. I just think they're being. I think honestly, honestly, I think they're being pricks, yeah. and I don't feel bad saying that because Why? because it's it's rent free this, rent free that. Like, shut up, just enjoy that your guy won. You're the. They're making about the Leafs. They're making about Matthews this, Matthews that. I didn't say anything about Austin Matthews, and and the and. The heart. It's expected, you know what I mean? Like, like no um, no wonder like you and then they're like, Oh man, you're they're living rent free in your head. Okay, if they if I bombard you with rent with act like literal nonsense that yeah. I have not brought up, you tell me what my response your response is gonna be. Are you gonna be you can be oh Oh, so funny with your Austin Matthews jokes here and there. No, no one's like, no one said anything. Leave yeah. it alone. Leave, leave it alone. Thing. You know, every time it's like that, it's like the comparables where, you know, it's Western Canada and uh, I guess we're in Central Canada. Yeah, Central Canada, the kind of oh, thing. Where, you know, you're going to compare yeah. like the big, you know, the big names. You're going to always do like that. And I don't know, like Austin's, Great player. It's just no. They're babies. They're babies. Yeah, people. That's, people that's just like the, the pick it apart. Don't worry. No, <laughs> like, it's just sooner or later, people it's are gonna just... tell me too. Or like, if I hear it a lot, people are gonna tell me, Daniel, 
Corey Perry's out of his prime. Like, you know, I'm going to start believing it if people start telling me that. Hey, he's out of his prime, man. Yeah, like, I'm going I'm to think about it, but, but you know, know I, know I, mean? I know it's not true. Oh, yeah. Come on, come on. Um, but just leave it alone. Like, clearly we're living rent free in your heads, too. So shut up. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, like, if I tell you, don't think about pancakes. What do you think about? Chocolate chip pancakes. Yeah. (laughs) Just a variation. Um, Okay. Do you have anything else to talk about for the awards? Um, I guess in terms of the heart, that's going to be a controversial one. Um, I I think Leon, if he wasn't the other team, you know, maybe. But I don't know. It's just, it's hard to know because, like, I, I came into this episode thinking I had comparables to it, but I really didn't like Malkin Crosby gets left Perry. I don't have any injuries, injuries. Listen, if Leon was the MVP of his own team, numero uno. Okay. Like that's, that's my take. If he was the MVP of his own team. Yes. I don't know if you heard that, but there was a motorcycle that just vroom, 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 vroom. Okay. People are enjoying the weather apparently and not inside recording podcasts. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, should we, do you have anything else? No, I'm good. We can just move on. Uh, <laughs> I know what the preview is going to be. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Don't worry. Sorry. I already have an episode title for the name. Beautiful. So, uh, um, let's start. We'll, we'll go. There's some tidbits, I guess, that are go, that have been going around the league, uh, pretty much since we stopped recording last episode. Um, San Jose Sharks uh, yesterday uh, officially announced the hiring of Bob Bugner as their head coach, which would remove the interim tag. I believe we had a discussion about this. We saw it coming, yeah. Before this, this was kind of rumored. I, I think we're both. Uh, happy with with that choice uh they're hiring rocky thompson john madden and dan darrow as his assistant coaches um mike ritchie ritchie will be interim assistant coach who who was sorry who was who was interim assistant coach will now be nhl development coach and daniel this is a name you probably haven't heard in a while mm-hmm. evgeny nabokov wow is back as goalie coach. I don't know if I say his last name right. Nabokov? Yeah, yeah. Said, uh, Nabokov. Nabokov. Okay. I have heard Nebakov from uh, I Nabokov. Think I don't Nabokov. know. I've just I've lo- heard that from um, Nick Kiprios. He's, I don't know. He used to say Nebakov. <laughs> There's multiple ways that went through my head how to say that, and wow. I chose that one. Wow, this is a nostalgia trip for me for two reasons. John Madden, former yeah. Devils, third line checking guy. Lou Lamorello yeah. type of guy. He was undrafted. Went to university. He made his way through it. He was like a solid guy. He was there for, I believe, two cups. Then um, he went to the Blackhawks in 2010. He was one of the vets there, and he won there as well. So it was nice. Fun fact, his son is Tyler Madden, who was traded to the LA Kings for Tyler Toffoli. That's pretty cool. Um, And yeah, Afghani Nabokov. I remember... Any relation to the NFL video games? (laughs) I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm mad. Um... (laughs) What I kind of felt yeah. about that was that's okay. That's just a nostalgic thing for me. I remember like the early two thousands where he was like a, you know, he was like a ninety two in the NHL games. I remember. Yeah. Um, he was always like I were like just well, they needed one more piece. The Sharks. I feel like we say this every year. They needed one more piece to get them over the edge. That's the definition of that team, honestly. And 
before we move on, this is a random tangent, but the thing about Evgeny Barkov was I remember he was the Russian starting goalie in 2006 in the Olympics. And I remember, like, I love the guy for the teal jerseys, but I yeah. did not like him at all because he beat Canada 3 0 to, to eliminate them. Okay. Um, that was the Gretzky pick team, you know, like Adam. It wasn't like Adam Foot, who was like 35, still made the team. So, like, understandable but okay. I just, that's the memories i've had of getting the block off i have to ask you this question because i know adam and Dan, uh, adam and mike would be upset if i didn't okay did evgeny nabokov play in the world juniors i think he was obligated to for the soviet union <laughs> right that was yeah. the thing okay yeah i forgot about that yeah <laughs> i forgot about that i think we had the discussion last or a couple episodes ago, whenever we had it, that we thought Rocky Thompson was kind of just hiding there. Like, obviously, he's gaining yeah. that experience, but he's kind of hiding there in the background saying, hey, if Bob Bugner's not good enough, kick it, kick him aside, you know who's next. The way I kind of see it, too, is just like, it's kind of like a all-star kind of cast of management, right? Like, or of coaching staff right there. Like, to really kind of ride the ship properly for the Sharks that they cannot rebuild um but yeah. they need to retool definitely and with the pieces they kind of have they have to go for another run because there's no way they're getting these contracts off the books and they're not getting a lot of they don't really have a lot of people coming up no there's no way they get it, it's going to be very difficult for them to get any of these contracts off the book books all i think of is Ryan Murphy. that's all i can think of yeah i mean yeah, that's pretty much. My apologies pretty... to their second to seventh round picks. You know, <laughs> maybe you guys will fan out too. Like we'll see. It's just they're crossing their fingers. Yeah, I you okay. Know. Um, they don't even have their. I think theirs is the third overall. It's pick. the third they overall. Don't even, they don't even so have bad. that. That's upsetting. Sorry. Um, another kind of I guess contract extension, uh, that nothing imminent, but there's talks. Uh. RFA Anthony Manta uh, and Detroit have started contract discussions. What what type of if you're Anthony Manta? Obviously, I don't think he had the greatest of seasons. Obviously, he got injured um, at some point. I believe it was against the Leafs too. After that that not nice hit from Jake Muzzin. Mm-hmm. What do you do if you're Anthony Mantha at this point in terms of what type of contract do you sign? I think for him, the situation he's in is that they've talked about it before with either Dylan Larkin or Anthony Mantha being the next captain of the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. And, you know, this is, this is an organization that values loyalty, despite the fact that Ken Holland's no longer there. But I think the one thing that Steve Eiserman has to kind of think about now is – that idea of loyalty versus how's this actually going to pan out for us in the long term? Because I know this wasn't his deal, but I'm looking at Justin Ablicator right now where in his prime, he played a similar style to Anthony Manta. He was that scoring power forward that, you know, he might not, you know, Anthony Manta might become an all-star. I don't know, but he might be, it might be something where he's a guy that will maybe give you 40 or 50 points, but then, he'll end up becoming like a bit of a role player. Then like the contract will just look really bad later on. If you give it the term and the amount that maybe he wants in terms of security, especially at the age he's at right now. I had read 
Um, and now I, I don't actually have it pulled up. I had read before, I think the last time we talked about it, is that there were talks of a deal looking around five and a half to six million for five to six years. So that would take him, if he's 26 now, that would take him to his 31 to 32 age bracket. Mm. I, I don't necessarily hate that deal. I, it's just a matter of what is Anthony Mantha going to come back as? Like, I, I, I do think he can fulfill that number. Um, and I think Detroit has lots of cap space. I think, yeah. It just, what I think about is that in maybe, I'll be pretty patient with them, maybe in the, in the next four or five years, the Red Wings, what they're going to really look at, like who are they going to take this year and whether it becomes a friend, like a cornerstone guy or, you know, like, Maurice Scheider or, yeah. um, you know, Philip Zadina. These guys what pick that, do they have this year? Fourth? They have fourth, yeah. So that could never be, know. Uh, could be a Marco Rossi. It could be a Cole Perfetti. You don't yeah. know. Could be not, J- not Jamie Drysdale. Not Jamie Drysdale. He's dropping to six? <laughs> dropping to six. If you were like, we need a center or if a, I'm, a winger. Uh, oh, if I'm Ottawa at fifth overall, you take that guy as quick as possible. Yeah. I know um, that there were reports that because Chris, former Red Wing player Chris Draper has really gotten to know Cole Perfetti throughout yeah. his junior career, and he's been scouting him, and apparently that's what the Red Wings are kind of leaning towards. I've, like, I, I, I remember hearing that yeah, as well. Yeah, hearing that well. Where, like, it's a guy they really know very well and someone that they think he could be a number one center in the NHL. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I think that either way, I think you're getting a good player, yeah. a very good player at that uh, <clears throat> at that spot. Um, I guess anything else you have to say about Anthony Manta? Good, good junior boy. Of course he is. Yes. <laughs> um, so last week or September 20th, so a few days ago at this point, mm-hmm. uh, I had seen a tweet from – it was Pierre Lebrun was on TSN 1040. Uh, uh, and he had said, Louis Erickson's agent, JP Barry has the green light from the Vancouver Canucks to be calling other teams directly himself to try and find his client in new home. And I believe we've heard this before um, with Louis Erickson. And obviously that's not, that's going to be difficult couple days later, yesterday, Rick Dollywall, on, again, on TSN 1040, uh, here's an update on Louis Erickson. No trade. What a shock. J.P. Barry is not a miracle worker. He's not Houdini. Jim Benning has been trying to move him for two-plus years. The Canucks won't pick up any part of the cap hit or add a sweetener. So, I, like, I, hypothetically, what would you get for that then? If you're not taking money back or if you're not adding, you know, compensation to take on that money for me there's a couple ways i i I look at this um number one like man like who the hell is gonna want to take on louis erickson now i'm just gonna pull up his cap hit now what does his contract structure look like because that oof uh, yeah it's guaranteed money right uh, so this year, yes. Uh, well, I guess he already got his signing bonus. Has a base salary of one million, and next year has a one million dollar signing bonus, but three million in base salary. Mm. So that isn't the best in terms 
of that. And he has a 15 team, no trade list. There's a couple ways I look at this. I don't necessarily think buying out is an option because I believe it would be, it's now going to, it's going to be four years to buy out this contract. I just don't think that makes sense. It's going to be, Ooh, it's going to be 5 million, 5.6 this year, 3.6 next year and $666,000 the two years after. I just don't think like in the end, you're saving not a whole lot. Yeah. And I initially thought that if you were to buy it out, it buys you time to uh, get, you know, that lower cap hit to sign, you know, your RFAs coming up next year, but. No, it's not really going to be a lot of savings. It, it doesn't. It doesn't do a whole lot on and that. He's like end. a toxic guy. I've heard that. You know, he's been a good locker room presence. It just he just can't break thirty points for some reason anymore. It's yeah. It's that he's also making six million dollars towards the cap, and it's a flat cap. And I I don't think that looks good, um, at all. Like I don't think there's a whole lot of teams who are looking to do that. There is one way that I think this deal can be moved, but I don't think they're going to like it. Okay. They're, for some reason, they're looking for a right-handed defenseman again. And there's talks about Matt Dumba. If this deal is moved in that trade... That is, I mean, listen, it's highly unlikely, and I don't know if I, I don't think the Wild would be want, would be willing to do that. It's just the only way I see it getting done. If you're not gonna add a sweetener and you're not gonna take back any cap, mm-hmm. what what do you think? Tough one because I already Minnesota's taking off so much money already. Yeah. On these contracts that first of all we kind of said they shouldn't be. So if yeah. they do something like this, I as much as I like Matt Dumba and you know they want that right hand shot, like I don't think he's worth taking on Louis Erickson. Even if you got like hypothetically a Brock Besser. You don't think so? Um maybe like because like the way I kind of see it is like Brock Besser is just way too valuable to the Canucks, but things right. they don't know it that he's not that valuable. Like the, the amount they're a little of, like, confused. Yeah. Like I, if I I don't know if I was Jim Benning, like I I know there was the chemistry there, but I'd keep Brock Besser over Tyler Toffoli. Yeah. So so would I. I I don't think. Listen, remember we talked to Harmon. And it seemed like they were going to – what it seemed like is that they were going to sign two of the three guys and Tanev, Markstrom, and Toffoli. We have no idea what the hell is going on with Markstrom. It seems like they've been talking for months and we don't know. Tanev, it doesn't even – I don't even think they've sent him an offer. And we'll get to Chris Tanev a little bit later. So now we're down to Tyler Toffoli. If you're not listen, if you're not willing to eat the eat the cap, some cap hit, and 
or or even add a sweetener. I understand you don't want to give up a first round pick. I think I have a feeling there's precedent, somewhat of a precedent that's been set around the league after what happened with Marlo la, Marlo last year. And I feel like the val the, the the value of six million dollars in cap space, if anything, has gone up knowing we have a flat cap. Yeah. So I feel like a team is most definitely asking for a first to to get rid of Louis Erickson. And I understand why Jim Bending won't do it. And, and and to think about it, again, I'm not a GM. If I'm in Jim Benning's situation, I don't necessarily think I do it either. You think it would hurt them? Like, like if they were to give up that first, like, I guess tra- in terms of trajectory of how the Canucks are going to be next year, do you think giving up that first is going to really hurt them? So here's the question. You're giving up that you're giving up the six million dollars in cap space, or you're you're getting back. So now you have twenty million in in cap space for the upcoming season. You still have to re-sign Markstrom to Foley, um, and if you want to re-sign Tanev, I don't think you see. The thing is, I don't think they're getting rid of the cap space to re-sign those guys, though. I think yeah. they're getting rid of the cap space to re-sign Pedersen and Hughes. So now the issue comes, if you get rid of that $6 million in cap space, you let Tanev walk, you let Markstrom walk, and things don't go well. And even if you re-sign Foley and things don't go mm-hmm. well, what do you do with that pick? Like, yeah, you can lottery protect it if you want. But if I'm, if I'm Jim Benning, how do I – how do I argue again for a second year in a row? I'm giving up a first round pick, especially, mm-hmm. you know, you already did it. That could have ended poorly. Yeah. JT right? Miller, we didn't think he was going to break out like that. 76. Points. I was, listen, I was I, critical yeah. of the trade. I thought he was getting 40 points for the Canucks. I was critical of the trade. I didn't think they were going to, I think they, I thought they were going to inch into the playoffs and I didn't think that was worth it in my opinion. And yeah. obviously he proved Same me wrong. Here. I really kind of thought too, like the way, like we've talked about it before with Mike and how the lightning have been so lucky with yeah. managing their cap for Ryan Callahan. And then I, they I, got a valuable asset in JT Miller. Then they turned that into Blake Coleman. Yeah, that's true. That, that That's true. I think there's other ways Vancouver can shed some cap if they don't want to do the Louis Erickson, if they don't want to deal with the Louis Erickson deal. I think I brought it up before. I think there there is a market for Tanner Pearson after what he did last season. I, I, I think there's a market for Furland. Maybe. You have to stay healthy. That's the Stop thing. Fighting. Is we haven't seen We haven't seen him. Yeah. Seeing him do it, like maybe there's a market for Brandon Sutter, but even there, you're gonna have to retain salary. Another I just injury plague guy. I, I think there's other ways to do it if you don't want to give up the sweetener. I just they're in a tricky situation, and I would not want to be uh, thing, Jim Benning. Yeah, the one thing I never, I always kind of see. I know that the organization loves him, and they always talk about you know the amount of development and time they put into him, but yeah. If if it means keeping that that core you've established of these guys who are gonna be your cornerstone players, why not trade Jake for Tannen? He's gonna demand more surprised. money, and I 
you know, I really thought he was going to be a lot better, but I really feel that they rushed him into the NHL, and it just ever since then, it's just he's been a good player, but he just wasn't sixth overall good. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, remember the 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 end of the year press conference from Jim Benning? It, it didn't seem like he was impressed with with. Jake Vertanen and I wouldn't be surprised if that's someone they do move off of so they don't have to put cap into that but what do you get like are you selling Jake Vertanen on a low because he didn't perform now we're having the same conversation and I don't mean to bring this back to the Leafs I just think it's a really good comparable we're having the same conversation I've been having in my sleep about Andreas Janssen. Do you wait and see? Okay. Do, you, okay. do you think, to me, I'm thinking, do you think, what what was Vertanen's contract this year? I, I don't, sorry, I'm not Mike. I don't know everything about hockey. Mm-hmm. He already took a, somewhat of a bridge deal at 1.25. Mm-hmm. Do you do something? Like, he has arbitration rights. Do, like, do you risk going to arbitration with Jake Vertanen? Like, I remember reading, like, there might be multiple teams who just don't qualify someone because they don't want to go to arbitration. Is that, is he, is Bertanen a player they do that with? I don't know. Just the way I kind of felt that where I know he already took the bridge and he wants a long term, but if you're able to, you're not going to get fair value for him. If you do it this way, this is the way I kind of hypothetically see it, that before you go to arbitration, you trade his rights and, you know, one of Jay Beagle and Anton Roussel, and you at least get something for him, knowing that you could get that off the books and you have the money to go towards like Pedersen and Hughes. That's true. Yeah. I could see that happening. You know what? You know, Jim Benning should hire us. It yeah, seems like sure, we got right? this yeah, down. We, pack. we got this down. Like, don't worry. Give us the cap. We got we'll, future. Uh, yeah. We got future general manager Daniel and future commissioner <laughs> Alex. We got well, this. We're going to run the NHL. We're colluding now. We're going to run the NHL. Okay, that's it. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying here. Um, I'm going to try to give a player a 17 year deal, and you're like, oh, that's okay. You know, we used to be on a. I'll turn a blind eye. I'll turn yeah. a blind eye. It's not big. Let's give you a warning this time. Play <laughs> your first round picks. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of, we talked about Jacob Markstrom before. I don't know why he would sign with this team. No. <laughs> no, there's no, there's just no explanation. <laughs> just no. Um, the Detroit Red Wings are reportedly planning to make a big pitch to Canucks goalie Mark, Jacob Markstrom if he goes to free agency. This is per Kevin Woodley on TSN 1260. Uh, Elliot Friedman, friend of the show, said something similar on Sportsnet 960. I mean, Why on earth would he go to the Detroit Red Wings? He's already 30. So the way I kind of see it is that he wants to really win. But where does he view the Red Wings in, like, I'll say two or three years? Like that's the question. Realistically, the I think the question is what will the Red Wings be in two to three years? Because how long? Yes, yes, goalie primes are a little bit messed up. Yes, but how long will Jacob Markstrom be this? What he is now? Because I kind of never see is that like 
they're gonna use up his prime, and he's gonna be like the Roberto Luongo, Florida Pan early Florida Panthers years, where great goalie, just no team around him, and it's it's a kind of a I think the Red Wings are not in a position now to kind of make that leap. Like maybe Dylan Larkin will prove us all wrong and become you know, borderline superstar or Anthony Manta becomes an all-star or, you know, the, the prospects that we've talked about. Like when I think about the prospects, I just, I, it's just something with me that I don't see that pipeline because like you look at beyond like the Maurice Schreider, the, the beyond the Philip Zadina, you know, what happened to, um, what happened to was it um, Evgeny Svechnikov or yeah. Michael Rasmussen, Joe Valeno? Yeah, or um, Dennis Chalowski, Chalowski, or something like that. Yeah, like I think of those guys who've been their first round picks, and you know, like they got Philip Hornkrug in the second round, but it just it's not a good track record to kind of sustain a team right now. You know, the fact that this has come out there says to me that they won't be making a big pitch because you know who runs that team? Stevie Iserman, okay? You know what rumors stopped coming out? Tory Krug to Detroit. So, therefore, Tory Krug will be going to Detroit and Jacob Markstrom will not be going to the Detroit Red Wings. Is he a NCAA guy, Tory Krug from Michigan? I think he's from the area. Oh, he's from the That's area. That's why. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, he went to Michigan State University as well. Then there we go. For three years before he signed with the mm-hmm. Bruins. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, undrafted. The- I always forget he's undrafted. That's amazing. He was under. Tari Krug was undrafted? Of course, yeah. he was. of course he was. And of course the Bruins picked him up. Of course, of course. They love the NCAA boys. <sighs> um, Obi Baker finalist. Not Obi Baker winner. 2012. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, we got a couple other uh, goaltenders who will, one will be hitting free agency. One, we don't 100% know if he's retiring or not. Let's start with the one who is most definitely hitting free agency and Thomas Grice, whose agent Ray Petkow. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. At this point, I expect he's headed to the market. I imagine there will be plenty of action. He's been one of the go-to goalies the last few seasons. He loves the Islanders, and if the opportunity would be there for him to continue, he'd consider, and this is via Pierre Lebrun. What do you think happens with Thomas Grice? I think he's going to go to a similar situation where, you know, questions about whether or not a starter could really sustain them and you know he could be that 1B kind of guy because I really I think it would be a like I don't know like that or the Buffalo Sabres for some reason overpay him don't go to Buffalo Thomas don't go if you're listening don't go to Buffalo buddy because um, I was just talking about like Billy Leno where you know he remember he had that crazy run later in his career and they gave him all the money or Christian Ehrhoff when the Canucks didn't resign him and they gave him like seven years or something and they're like that's our core. <sighs> yes, they made some very stupid decisions. So it sounds so, like uh, to me. I think it's just they're desperate. Like I think yeah, like Carter Hudden no. has been good. It's just he's not. Well, he's wasn't not a Carter? Wasn't Carter Hudden a one B? 
He was a one B, and then and uh, they signed him to be a one A, and it didn't with work with Linus Allmark. Yeah, and Linus Allmark turned out to be the one A, but yeah. it was not good enough. There is a team. Well, there's a couple teams out there. There's one team in particular who just traded a backup goalie, one B actually, who's in a sticky situation with their captain. And is now looking for a backup goaltender of some sorts. The St. Louis Blues. Mm-hmm. Do they attract Thomas Grice? I think if they could pitch to him saying, hey, you want to win now? We know you're a bit older. Come to our team. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think it's very much possible, but it depends on what he's going to be seeking because I think he's going to get a raise. What what is he making now? It's around the three million dollar mark. I I want to say something around there. I'm gonna three point three three, so mm-hmm. close. Yeah, like, what do you pay Thomas Gray? Like the last well, last year was he was he played forty three games, mm-hmm. and he was pretty damn good. And this year he only played thirty. Only played thirty-one, but he again he was still pretty good. Nine thirteen save percentage. What yeah, type of hard. like? Because you look at what is Anton Hudobin going to get? Because Anton Hudobin is somehow is a one B, even though he's playing like a one A at the moment. Yeah. And I think Anton who the reason I brought up. I brought up St. Louis is because I do think uh, uh, Dallas is going to try really hard to bring back Anton Hudobin. I think that should be yeah. a priority for them. Uh, no question. I think Thomas Grice would be perfect with St. Louis, like for a few reasons. I don't think Jordan Bimington, like as much as he's been good for the cup run, I don't think he could be trusted for 70, 60, 70 games. No. Um, I really kind of feel that he needs, you know, he needs that edge. Like he needs, he needs to be pushed again because like, I think I mentioned their top goalie prospect and I was like Vili Husso, but they also have Joel Hofer who was the real junior goalie last year, but that guy's not making it anytime no, soon. No, so yeah. they have Vili Husso who, you know, he's going to turn 24 that, you know, it could be like a Phoenix Copley situation where you put someone in there, but I really don't think it's, it's something that's advisable. I think they go for that market. And yeah, again, what I said, Thomas Grice, he's 34. He wants to win it. And I, I don't see him unless like, again, the Buffalo Sabres overpay him. I don't see him going anywhere else. Like other than St. Louis, like other than like a situation like the blues where they have an established starting goalie that I have an idea. That'd be as rock solid. I have an idea. We're assuming, Mar- I don't know why we've been assuming this, that Markstrom's not going to go back. Mm-hmm. So if Markstrom doesn't go back, they have Thatcher Demko and they have blank. Sorry, Mikey DiPierro's not ready yet. No. And I don't think you go, you give, like you have Louis Domingue, but I don't think Louis Domingue is, he's not a 1B. And I don't think Thatcher Demko is enough to be a full number one starter yet. Like, I don't think you have enough trust in him yet. Mm-hmm. And 
maybe Thomas Grice is a guy you look at. I don't know if they're willing to spend that money though. Mm-hmm. That that might. Have, I was gonna. I thought you were gonna say the Leafs. I'm like, no, no Freddie. Fred not yet. Not yet. <laughs> no, no, we don't no, have to no, make no, the Freddie rumors yet. No, 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 no. Like, there's a couple other teams that come to mind as well. Like, I don't know if you want to hear them. Um, like Calgary and Edmonton. Like both those teams. Like, what do you have in David Riddick? Are you gonna bring back Cam Talbot? And the same thing in Edmonton. You have Miko Koskinen. What the hell is Miko Koskinen? And are you going to bring back Mike Smith? Mm-hmm. I don't Both, think they should, but they probably will. God, if they why? If he brings, if Ken Holland brings back Mike Smith, can we all just question it? Like, can we just legitimately say, like, I'll walk back my comments I said at the beginning of the year when they hired Ken Holland. The way I kind of see it is like. Because I know Mike Smith's getting up there in age, but at the same time, I, I'm like, you know, he only really broke out in 2012. <laughs> so it's like yeah. technically, like he might be in his late 30s, but he's actually like late 20s, early 30s. Mike Smith. Yeah. How old it, is he? It, well, he's like he's, he's drafted in what 2001, so he's like 37, 38, right? I, that's a good question. I but like, he really only broke he's 38 out. he's 38 yeah he yeah. really only broke out when the lightning didn't resign him and he went to arizona yeah i can't believe, like i just this random thing i just i can't believe he made the olympic team over mark andre fleury in 2014 <laughs> <laughs> and that really bothered me i know he didn't play but that really kind of bothered me for a bit i'm like really oh. daniel that's okay yeah, it's okay. But yeah, other than that, um, Thomas Grice. So yeah, I, I, I always heard his name. I always thought he was going to be a... I remember he was supposed to be the starting goalie for the Sharks. Yeah. But then they like signed MT Niemi to like that big contract. <laughs> Leafs uh, have... I mean, not Leafs. Habs, great. MT Niemi. Uh, the second guy that... That... Uh, is going to be hitting something retirement free agency. Uh, Pierre Dorian confirmed this afternoon that the club will not be offering pending UFA Craig Anderson a new contract. Uh, They're just looking to take another direction. That's what it seems like to me. And if I'm being honest, I I understand. I, I think they have the goalies there that are, that can replace him. Our boy, Uh, the court. Joey Decord. Um, well, you have it's like Anders Nielsen and Marcus Holberg. I think considering the situation the Senators are in, are fine. Yeah. Um, Manageable, like cap and yeah. guys that you know they might play above expectation throughout. And then even in the even in the AHL, like I think they got three guys there. Well, Joey Decord's an RFA. Philip Gustafson, who they got in the I Derek Broussard. the Derek Broussard deal. God yeah. and Kevin Mandelazy, and I'm not sure what year what he was drafted 2018 sixth uh, sixth round. He played in the queue this year, um, so I think they kind of have the goalies to set up. And who knows? They listen. They could go on an absolute rampage and take Yaroslav Askarov at number five. Wow. Ooh, say what? Not 50th. <laughs> 
And he's not going to go fifteenth. No, let, <laughs> no, no. If and let's not forget they they drafted someone last year in the second round in Mad Sogar, who is playing in the WHL, right? So, like, they seem set up in the goalie department. It sucks that they have to let Craig Anderson go. I. I understand. Yeah. I understand why you should keep him for the leadership aspect. Losing a lot of that this offseason. Yeah, you're losing Mark Boriecki, Borokop, Borokop. But I guess you do have. Damn, they have so many RFAs. Holy moly! They got two UFA forwards and one, two, three. I lost count. Three, six. RFAs. Wow. My God. Oh, my God. The way I see it's like Craig Anderson, he's been such a huge fixture for the Sens. So I say it two ways. If he says it's kind of over, he's yeah. just going to join the team as like a scout or, you know, consultant or something and move his way up eventually. Because um, he is 39. But, you know, it's the same thing I talked about with Mike Smith. Craig Anderson is a late bloomer kind of goalie. Yeah. He didn't really hit his prime until a lot later in his career and you know, this is a guy that if he's still feeling that way, I know he still wants to play. So if I can compare it's gonna be like a Ryan Miller situation where you're gonna go in as like a veteran guy, but to like an already established like number one. Yeah. I, I just how many teams are gonna be interested in Craig Anderson. I could see him like beating out Phoenix Copley behind Yosef Sanoff. Like, you know, that'd be a good thing with like a 23 year old with 39 year old guy who's been around the block versus how, the uh, guy who's trying to make it. How many games, reasonably, how many games can you expect him to play in, in Craig Anderson? 25. 25. So he's I mean, a like backup. 20, yeah, he's going to be a backup. Like, it's going to be like, right, like, you know. I'm not being biased here, but you know, Ryan Miller is going to be in the Hall of Fame, I think. But yeah, sure. You know, he already kind of accepted later in his career, like I'm going to be a backup. He's not going to get like six million a year again, like the Canucks gave him. For sure. You and you think the same situation with Craig Anderson? I think it could be. Um, he wants the win still as well, right? I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Um, not many yeah. contenders. I don't know, like. What he's gonna go back to Colorado? I don't see it being not really much of a big foundation there for their goaltending. Or yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know where else he would go. Yeah, like I think if if there's a team that's looking for us a, a backup that that's looking for someone to play twenty, fifteen to twenty five games, I think you have a guy here. But that means you need to have a system where that's in place. And I feel like there's a lot there's a lot of teams who are kind of moving away from that. Right. Yeah. So I, I I guess we'll we'll see on that end. Uh if he hits free agency, if he retires, uh what his choice will be. We have and I brought this up <laughs> I brought this up uh earlier today. Um I got I blacked out in the middle of class because I didn't know what was going on. Patrick, uh, 
the Florida pan like it's not confirmed. Like Kevin Weeks sent out this tweet, and I go, "Excuse me." It, like I'm in the middle of class, and I open Twitter, even though I'm not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you're in a sports. Uh, even though I'm not supposed class, to right? look on Twitter, mm-hmm. my prof said I'm not. We're not allowed to use our phones. So. And I see Kevin Weeks tweet that says, I'm hearing that Mike Matheson is going to be traded for Patrick Hornquist. JR, Jim Rutherford, what are you doing? Yeah. What drug are you on? Like, I think we talked about it before where I thought it was an age kind of thing where. Penguins, in a way, kind of got younger in the back end, but same okay. time too. Like I think he, it's like another classic. Like Jim Rutherford, like you know, he kind of overvalued a guy, gave Patrick Hornquist that huge extension, and then realizing that you know when they go when they went into the playoffs, Hornquist was not even in the top six. Okay, so here here's the thing. Here here's the thing. Patrick, yes, Patrick Hornquist makes a little too much money. Five point, uh, what? Five point three? Five point three million dollars for the next three years. And he's already 33. Mike Matheson makes 4.875 for the next six years. Let me remind you, Mike Matheson was scratched in the playoffs. Sorry, I don't mean you. I mean I'm reminding the listeners. Oh, reminding the listeners. Okay. I'm, I, you know, you know okay. this already. I know. Okay. You know this already. <laughs> I'm just reminding the listeners. It's just actually hard to like think about like six years for that guy. I did the math. The pan the 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 Panthers are saving over that six year span about fifteen million dollars. They have they, there's a little more money obviously coming in the next few years, uh, in terms of they I think they still have to pay Hornquist in cash fifteen around fifteen million, and Matheson over six years would have had to be paid thirty two, and we know they're trying to cut salary I guess in the long term it seems like and I guess that's what that's what's happening here. Mm-hmm. If what is Jim Rutherford thinking? I think I saw too. I forgot. I think it was Dmitry Filipovich, or he looked like a bored fantasy, uh, fantasy yeah, team owner. Yeah, he's like, just just like a bored fan. Just, he's just rearranging everything. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me at all. I, I, I can't see an explanation for this. Do you have one? I don't know. Like I'm just looking at that bottom pairing now: Michael Matheson and Jack Johnson. How much money is in that bottom pair? Mike Ma- Jack Johnson, 3.25. It's like over $8 million. Oh, my God. You're all, everyone's complaining about Montreal paying $15 million for goaltending for a year. They're going to be paying. How many years are they going to be paying for this? Like, how three more years are you going to be paying $8 million for, for, for a bottom pair? Because we all know, sorry, Jack Johnson's not going anywhere. No. And... Unless Mike Matheson proves everyone wrong, he was Joel Quenville scratched him 
in the playoffs. And that guy was playing forwards, uh, defense at four, as forwards. Mark Pissick managed to become a forward this year. Honestly, come on. Luke, Luke Shed as well, fourth line on the Lightning. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> games ago. <laughs> like, really? Figured, figure, like, honestly, if the, because it hasn't been confirmed, like, there's a few things going on here that apparently the Penguins weren't able to reach Patrick Hornquist. Then um, Friedman tweeted out that the deal is being held up due to an insurance issue. So the ability to fully insure contracts against injury. So there's a couple things going on here, but what is JR doing? Like, do you see this deal? Do you see this deal as a, as a win for Pittsburgh? I don't even think of it as neutral for both teams. I think there's a clear winner in Florida. Like Patrick Hornquist isn't that like yes, he wasn't in your top nine. Yeah. Uh top six, sorry. Obviously, like you bring in Jason Zucker, Jake Gensel comes back. Uh Brian Rust has been playing well. You obviously still have Crosby and Malkin. And Jared McCann. You know, and, and yeah, Jared McCann, him. who recently resigned. Florida's losing Dadinov and Hoffman. Now they just got a replacement and was that not a, as good of a necessarily a replacement. I think he can still put up some number of points. And Hornquist needs a center. He needs a center to help him with that. Who? Hornquist. And hey, you know who you know who they have? A pretty damn good center in yeah. Alex Barkov. And they they got rid of the contract that no one wanted to touch in Mike Matheson. Do you, do you, is it just me that remembers this? That when William Nylander was holding out, Mike Matheson was untouchable? Apparently, yeah. Huh? What? Now it's Mackenzie Weger. Oh, yeah. Mackenzie yeah, Weger. Great. Boo. Untouchable. Whatever, Florida. man. I don't see how this deal's a win for e- either team. No, it's kind of just moving money around. Not really doing much with it. So do you want to hear? So there's more. There's more, obviously. There's a couple. It's just my head hurts. Um, The Penguins are expect. This is from Josh Yohe. If from. He is Penguin. He's a Penguins beat writer. Uh, Penguins are expected to try clearing enough cap space to pursue Chris Tanev in free agency. Adding a right-handed defenseman. Oh, this is where it gets good. Adding a right-handed defenseman is the Penguins' priority. Age, not a concern. General manager Jim Rutherford isn't opposed to a five-year deal. Uh, wants to avoid cap it over $5 million. That would, do you know what that five year, do you just take a guess what that five year deal would do? Would that take Crosby to what, 37? No, no, this one's even oh. better than that. It would match the term so that both his and his oh brother, my God. they would end on the same year. Are you kidding me? Are are you kidding me? You know, if it, Luke and Braden Shen didn't work in Philly, 
I don't know how this is going to work. Is this a joke? Is this a joke to Jim Rutherford? So you, let me understand this quickly. You traded Patrick Hornquist and got Mike Matheson. So now you have another defenseman. Where are all these defensemen going? Justin Schultz is gone. Um, Yusuf Reef Kala, I guess, becomes seventh defenseman. So what you're telling me is Chris Tanev's going to be, what, a seventh defenseman? Like, like Duma, so we know Dumoulin and Latang have been playing together. That's what happened and this year. John Marino and Pedersen. Pedersen, yeah. And Jack Johnson <laughs> and, and Mike, Mike Matheson. Matheson. If this, if the deal goes through, we're just assuming it does. And where is Chris Tanev going? Does he realize he still has to pay John Marino eventually? Does he realize? Like, I don't, does he realize many things? <laughs> I, I, don't I don't understand why you're go, like you have six million dollars in cap space. You still, you still have to figure out your goaltender situation. Mm-hmm. You like you have okay the RFAs you have are they won't cost much. You have Laff, Sam Lafferty, Dominic Simone, Anthony Angelo, and your two UFAs forwards are Marlowe, who's probably not coming back, no. and Connor Sheary, who, again, unfortunately not coming back. Okay, one thing I also kind of think about is, like, maybe they don't trust him yet. But... Who? They have Pierre Olivier Joseph in the minors. Like he's they, a left-handed defenseman. They don't even have. They don't have room. They want to add Chris Tanev. You just added Mike Matheson. Yeah. Like unless you don't think you can add him, even wait, wait. Even if you, even if you add Mike Matheson, like where are you going to play Mike Matheson on the third pair? Perform for like he should. Like, he again, probably doesn't sh- make, should be on the, on the on the third pair. It doesn't, but it doesn't make sense. You yeah. don't pay that money for f- uh, I don't know. a third pair guy go for that. Go that grit that those illegal checks. Do you want to hear the second thing I have here? Okay. Uh, it's the same. Uh, it's Josh Yohi again, and. It says, several teams have inquired to the Penguins for Brian Rust. Brian Rust, GMJR isn't shopping him, but would be open to a deal if return was substantial. Reportedly, at least an NHL-ready player plus top prospect. Uh, Quote, growing sense, Rust might draw an offer too good to pass up. Why would you treat Brian Rust? Uh, yet another defense cap space. You got three and a half million in cap space. Oh, those are kind of the guys like that's a player I kind of feel like you extend him. Like, you they have him for two more years. Yeah, it's now I'm just thinking Michael Matheson just took up that money. He <laughs> he just um, he just had a career year. Mm-hmm. He had 56 points in 55 games. You don't give that up. I think he's as valuable as Jake Gensel. Really? Yeah, like in terms of the chemistry. I know Gensel likes to play Crosby. And yeah. Brian Russ often goes with Malkin. And 
it's a perfect situation for them. I don't know, like, why he keeps tinkering with everything, Jim Rutherford. I don't have an option with him tinkering. I just don't see what, like, move after, like, this is the second move now, the potential move, and and another signing that doesn't seem to be adding up. No. Like, okay, I, I kind of understand your the Kasperi Kapanen move. I think you overpaid for Kasperi Kapanen at the end of the day. I, I I don't understand the Mike Matheson move. What like what are you trying to do here? Maybe uh, they actually get they trade Jack Johnson. <laughs> Who is taking Jack Johnson? I don't know. He goes back to LA. I don't know. I can't think of anything. They they have a lot of older guys. They, <sighs> they don't mind adding another one. He goes to the Wild somehow. They make another trade. Yeah, they're they're making a lot of moves. That I mean, listen. I hope I hope that the moves end up working out. I just don't see how they are. It's just kind of upsetting for me because like I still very much want to watch Crosby and Malkin compete, and the way that the roster's been the last two years is just been so disappointing that now when like yeah like a lot of people a lot of fans might ask for yeah we want the change but not like this I don't know I I don't know what you do if you're a Pittsburgh fan like you have to sit and wait and, and you have to hope and hope that he doesn't make a stupid signing on October 9th. Mm-hmm. You really do. Because it's just going to it's gonna not end well for this team. Unfortunately. Like, it's just all these things are going to start adding up here. Mm-hmm. And I understand, like, you want to compete until Crosby and, and, and Malkin are both done. But don't put yourself in a garbage situation. Yeah, I think this is really gonna. I I I think they're gonna. They're gonna. Uh, they're they're gonna regret a lot of these. Right, we'll we'll see what happens. Do you have, do you have anything else to say about uh, the Penguins before we move on? Wishing Crosby, Malkin, Latang the very best, and hope. <laughs> yeah. That moves like work out from what we have not seen yet because I don't know. I'm hopeful, you know, Jerry McCann was a good signing. You know, they he's he slots in pretty well. It's that third line center. But yeah. other than that, and I'm getting rid of Nick Bustead's contract. That was pretty effective. But other than that, that like if you're gonna get that cap space, don't go for the term on these other guys that shouldn't be part of that long term vision. Right. Right, right. Definitely agree with what you said. Uh, Last piece of news before we just take a quick uh, peek into the Stanley Cup final. The Los Angeles Kings are are geniuses, I think. Uh, They've loaned five prospects to Germany. uh, Ice Bar in Berlin um, of the DEL. They've sent, yeah, Turcotte, Tyler Madden, Akil Thomas, Aiden Dudas, and Jacob Ingham, all prospects. Um, they're going to play for the 
the seven-time DEL champions until the Kings training camp opens, I guess, in December is what the plan is. Now, you might wonder why, hmm, why are they sending all these guys to one team? Mm-hmm. Well, the Kings and, and Eichbar in Berlin may make natural partners because they're both owned by Anschutz Entertainment Group. Wow. So smart. It is very smart. And hear me out. And I'm listen, you might think I'm going to be a bitter Leafs fan. Uh because I even I've seen a lot of bitter Leafs fan on uh Twitter these days because they did this move that seems advantageous, right? I and I'd argue it is advantageous. And the league hasn't done anything about it, mm-hmm. right? So apparently, it's it's okay. For, <laughs> I'm just giving an example. I I, I do uh, kind of agree, but I think if if you're allowed to do it, they should do it. Um, apparently, you're not allowed to have facility have pay for facilities for players, but you're allowed to send players to Europe that your team owns. Um, no, but. I think it's a really good idea and because we have we have a guy like Nick Robertson. If you own a team in Europe, why wouldn't you just loan him there and said if you can, I don't know the CHL rules, which again I think are stupid, but so listen, I don't understand yeah. like what a guy like Nick Robertson, even a guy like Mitch Marner, a couple uh oh man, that's years ago now. Uh f- five or six years ago at this point, did you really have to send him to the CHL again? Mm-hmm. What, what does the guy like Nick Robertson have to prove after scoring more than a goal per game? Like what, what's he going to get out of it? He's not allowed to go to the AHL. Hey man, can you send him to Europe? I, I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing that teams can do. Sending players to Europe that would be their own their own team, or even having like very close relationships with with European teams, like it's a very popular thing in <clears throat> in soccer where you have. Uh, let, I'll, I'll give an example. Um, I don't know. Wait, I don't know if they're confirmed. Like Real Madrid. And Borussia Dortmund have, it seems like a very close relationship and guys that they want to develop instead of playing in the Real Madrid, like B team, Mm -hmm. they'll send them to Dortmund because it's a little more, it's more competitive than playing for the B team and to send them to the B team doesn't make sense. Well, I don't understand why this isn't a thing in the NHL. It most definitely should be a thing in the NHL. And I think I think we have to applaud the Los Angeles Kings for number one being in the situation where they can do that, and number two actually doing it. Yeah, like very smart on them. I know there was a lot of teams that were saying that you know we're going to try to give some of our prospects to you know the SHL or um, mm. other leagues in Europe, but like it wasn't kind of like like what I kind of love it is that they're keeping these guys together that. These guys that, you know, they're eventually all going to 
go up together and be part of like that future core for the Kings. Like they're yeah. already having the experience to play together in a professional league. So it's just amazing for them. Like, and like what you kind of said too, like getting away from that CHL rule. Cause I don't think Akil Thomas would have been able to kind of, uh, or was he, I don't know if he's already 20. I'm going to shut up right now. Yeah. Or Alex Turcotte. I think he had to go back to uh, the USHL. Um, I don't know about Alex Turcott, but I I believe well, Akil Thomas I believe just turned twenty. Okay, yeah, he turned twenty in January. So I I think at the beginning of this year he would have been able to play in the AHL. Mm-hmm. I think that's how it works. Um, I'm not up to date on the CHL NHL rules. Now, what I kind of wh- see it is like the last few years the Kings have really needed this. Like they weren't really kind of bringing up anybody. Like they had Gabe Velarde, and now what I kind of see is, you know, they're they're doing what they need to do to realize that they have to get away from that core they have right now. Like we love Kopitar, you know. I I still love Drew Doughty. I still think he's an amazing player, but it's just, these are not the same guys that are going to lead you to these cup runs anymore. No, no, no. And they have Uh, to replenish a lot. And I think they're doing, like, I think they had one of the top prospect systems. Um, They, when they did the rankings, the athletic did the rankings. I think they had number one, actually. Mm -hmm. Listen, if I think it's a good idea because it gets them playing hockey now, and I really wish that they'd be able to do that moving forward. Now, Alex Turcott is 19, and because he signed a contract, he played in the NCAA last year, and um, he's going to turn 20 in February. I think he'll be able to play in the AHL. Okay. Whenever that season yeah. uh, does start. Unless he makes the NHL team out of camp. Like, Maybe. that's obviously – that's still a possibility, possibility. at this point. Especially to get their center depth, he probably can't. It's yeah. – I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I just – I think it's an opportunity for the league, as the league itself, to reassess. Like, obviously, I don't think the CHL is in a good position at the moment, like, financially. Like – we're talking about TV, like see the ticket revenue being over 50, just over 50% for the yeah. NHL. What the hell is it for the, for the Q for the, the WHL and the OHL? It must be, uh, it must be insane. The, the NHL, I believe they should relook at how, how this prospect pyramid, we'll call it works. Uh, I don't necessarily think, the CHL should be the only option. I, I just don't think it makes sense. In my opinion, I, I don't think it makes sense. And it's an interesting point. Like, I'll give credit to him from what I talked about earlier about Nick Robertson, um, that Adam Wilde on the Steve Dangle podcast obviously brought this up a few months ago, um, actually, talking about, like, what, what do you do with Nick Robertson who scored 55 goals, like who scored over a goal a game? Like mm-hmm. what's he got to prove? It, it, what are the chances he scores more than that? Like, is it, is it worth it? And the unfortunate part is, I mean, he could make the the NHL next year, <clears throat> maybe, but 
what if he doesn't? You have to send him to the CHL. I just don't think yeah. that makes that's such a that's such a stubborn system and and it just feels like it's stunting growth because you're forcing them to go play in a league they don't need to play in. Remember like happened that with Morgan Riley too when he was coming in. Yeah. He kept putting him back. What is it to the Portland Winterhawks? Uh I believe so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just think Maybe but on the now. Kings. Yeah, but like quick, like just to wrap that uh, this uh, whole idea up. I think it this is a perfect time for the NHL to reassess how they how they work their prospect pool and how they yeah. let their teams actually work that prospect pool. Um, good on the Kings. Maybe other teams will do it. Well, most teams don't actually have the money to do that type of thing. I think there's a couple teams. Uh, the Leafs should definitely do it. They should most definitely buy Zurich Lions because that'd be actually that'd be hilarious. <laughs> that'd be if funny. I'm being honest, um, it, it'd be it'd be very funny. Anything else you want to talk say about this? Overall, I don't know. Just a lot of great names that I always forget. Like how good the Kings have been with drafting and even getting picks back. Like I didn't think Tyler Madden was going to be as good as he was when they were able to get him in the Tyler like in a package for Tyler Toffoli. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? I don't remember. I'm just gonna <laughs> just move on okay. to the to the um, cup final. We're back. One one. Uno uno. Apparently, Steven Stamkos is inching closer and closer to playing. The boys back. That's what uh, CJ quoted. John Cooper, head coach of the Lightning. That's what he did. He said that he's it's he's coming close to playing. What do you think? What do you think the advantage? And I feel like we've definitely had this discussion before, but what do you think the advantage is to adding Stamkos to this team? Even in a limited role. I think the depth, like what he could kind of do. Like I remember when Crosby Canna came back from his First concussion. He played on the third line for the Penguins, and he was still pretty solid. Um, I think Stamkos could still be that guy. Like he's not going to be. The, he doesn't have to be the focal point, and that's what's great about the Lightning. But the thing is, they get another weapon for them offensively. Um, and you know, from a personal fan standpoint, I just really want him to play. Like I look back on, you know, he was close in 2015. He he was injured before the Olympics, and then you know, I don't want him to be injured for the whole playoff run. Right. And uh, I'm going to ask you a question in a little bit that Adam proposed in our group chat that I don't understand, but whatever. Um, tonight is game three. Last game, I think we, we saw a different, not a different Tampa Bay Lightning. I think we saw, I, I do think they were tired in mm-hmm. game one. And again, I'm walking myself back because I, I said it's a, Bad excuse to say they're tired, but you your team didn't get beat eight two. Okay, yeah. so I think it's kind of re- like they didn't play well and they were tired. Um, and uh, game two, I think we saw a different Tampa Bay Lightning team. W- what should we expect? What should we expect from the Tampa Bay Lightning? And what, should we expect anything different from the Dallas Stars tonight? Who play? They play in at the time of recording in an hour and forty minutes. Yeah. 
I think with the Lightning is it's all about that pressure they're going to keep putting on Anton Hudobin, those cycle plays, and really, like, they don't have to change any of that. What I kind of feel that is that they just have to make sure that the shots count because that same thing happened with the Islanders when the thing got extended to six games because they were getting a lot of pucks on net, but they weren't always, like, the quality chances that you want. I, I don't think they should overthink it, but they should get that going early. Um, that's what I kind of played them in game one. I think for the Stars, what they can really do is, and we've said it this before, it's just, you know, they have the players that could really step off offensively. They need more of that to happen. Like, I know it's a great story. John Henley scored, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Jimmy Ben. I'm looking at Tyler Sagan. Like, these are guys that they're being paid to be your core players, and yeah. they should really kind of show it because that's what's happening on with Tampa Bay. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, you pretty much, pretty much said it all. Like I think it's for both teams to succeed, they have to play their games. Mm-hmm. And I think and I've mentioned this before. I, I do think Tampa has the advantage because this isn't the first time Tampa's had to play a team like that. I think Tampa's had to play a more defensive team in the Islanders and they've had to play a more and they've had to play a physical team like the Stars in the Columbus Blue Jackets in the way that they play mm-hmm. or even the Bruins. Like I think the Bruins are a close close-ish comparable to the Dallas Stars, but I think the the, the at the end of the day the Boston Bruins play a more eastern game and it's more, the the skill and the scoring whereas I think Dallas at the end of the day do play that defensive, more defensive game, rough yeah. and tough. Um, so I think they remember to score. Yeah, except they know yeah. how to score. But I, I do again give the advantage to this to the team to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Weirdly enough, next time we record on Sunday, this series could be over if either of these That's teams. Funny win the next three games because there's a back-to-back Friday and Saturday, which, again, I still don't understand. Um, what are your predictions for tonight's score? Oof. I'm never good with predictions. Um, I'm going to go. The score is going to be 3-2 to two again for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm going to go 4-3 Tampa. Wow. Yes. Okay. It's got a lot of goals. Yeah, 4-3 or 4-2 because they're going to get the empty netter. <laughs> so it's basically your score, but with the empty Shoot. netter. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I hate I have to ask you this question. Yeah. So uh, let's give the listeners some context here. Obviously, um, we, we have a group chat. This. We have a group. Yeah. yeah, we've had a group. We have a group chat. Me, Adam, Daniel course and mike friend of the show mike mm-hmm. mr know-it-all um and adam proposed that we that the tampa bay lightning tr- trade steven stamkos i'm gonna read you i because i texted take. him yesterday hot take <laughs> yes. hot take from adam um let, and this is how he started well let's be those guys if you win the cup without him as in steven stamkos playing a single game and this is and, and this is purely being quote unquote that guy. I'm not saying they actually trade him. 
than winning without this guy who as your captain you couldn't win but when he's out you did do you really need him or that cap be better suited somewhere else hmm. i mean the penguins won without Latang the second time 2017 and they didn't trade him uh, i don't know if steven stamkos is Latang though uh-huh. Like I think Steven Stamkos is in, is very important. Okay, here's what I'm gonna say. He's not like the superstar guy. Like who's not like I think when he's healthy he could be a top ten player or top fifteen. But I don't think he's that top five guy anymore. Yeah, I I I'm not arguing you trade him. I'm playing devil's advocate here. The depth that this team has. Center-wise, you have Steven. We're on a first-name basis, apparently. Steven. I don't know. Yeah. You have Anthony Sorelli. And then you fill and, – and then now you have Blake Coleman. I think Blake Coleman can play center. I believe yeah. he was playing center in, in New Jersey. That's three that, – there's your three. And you throw whoever you want in the fourth. On the fourth did you say Braden Point? Yeah, Braden Point. Yeah. Uh, first, I think I did. No, I didn't. I said Steven no. Stamkos. <laughs> yeah, he said Stamkos. Braden Point is your first line center without Steven Stamkos. Thank you for correcting me. Um, so I think you can trade Steven Stamkos and sacrifice that depth because I do think Sorelli's going to take another step. I think Blake Coleman is a, can be a top six guy if you need him to be due to injury. Uh, I, I don't think I don't I, again I can't even be devil's advocate because I really don't think you trade Steven Stankos. I think a lot of people underestimate what he means to that team. Yeah. That's what the issue is. I get he's not playing, but when he's not playing, it's not like he just disappears from the room. Like, yes, you have still a all-star. Yeah. He's still an all-star and he's still your captain. He's still your lead. He's still the leader of that team. Yes, you have other guys surrounding him in that leadership role. Like you have a guy like Hedman who who's practically a captain, if you want him to be. I just don't think you move no. You move that guy. Because I don't think you have to. In my opinion, and we've talked about it multiple times, there's three guys that you most definitely look at moving. Tyler Johnson, Andre Palat, and Alex Kalorn. Yeah. Overpriced is like depth guys. Where I know they do their job really well, but... But they make too much money. Yeah, you, and you can't carry that over. Exactly. And we know the Tampa Bay Lightning. We know their draft record. We know their scouting in terms of free agent signings. I think they can get guys like that for cheaper, which allows them to re-sign Sorelli, which allows them to re-sign Sergachev. And now they're still in the same position that they were. Absolute beasts. Yeah. Like, who's going to touch that first line? Who's going to touch the first line of point or Stamkos point Kucherov? I'd make the argument it's almost better than the perfection line. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was better. Okay. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, I'd argue they're it's equal. I'd argue they're both like the best lines in the league. Like, I think the three best lines in the league are the perfection line, the, the, that line in Tampa Bay, and what you have in Colorado and Landeskog, McKinnon, and Rantanen. 
Not the nuclear line? What's the nuclear line? Wasn't it like Tavares, Matthews, and Marner? No, it's not. I'm sorry. It's not, I don't think it's up there. Like, it's, it's, it's up there, but it's not, you know, it's if you're like watching yet. the not YouTube. Yet. Not, not, so, not there yet. It's not there yet. Like, I think Matthews has some steps to take. I, do, I think Marner has some steps to take to make it like that too. Um, not there yet. Um, I just think that then you have what on the second line, like you still have Anthony Sorelli. You still, mm-hmm. you're still going to have Yanni Gord. I don't think you move Yanni Gord. I think that guy, I, I think that guy, an absolute beast. And then you have, you throw someone on the right wing and then you go it to your works. third line. You got yeah. Coleman, Barclay, Goudreau, and whoever the hell you want. Plus Mitchell Stevens is coming up. Carter Verhage, Leafs. Yes. Great, I think. Um, and Islanders briefly. Like you have guys. Like let me let me pull up their let me pull up their thing here. Yeah, Matthew got, Joseph in the minors as well. Yeah, like I think we've gone so into this team. I, that's <laughs> I okay. I gotta pull up their thing. Like they got guys in the minors who I think could could make steps. Eventually, maybe even next year. Like, how about a guy like Taylor Radish? Is he good enough yet? Good, like solid Alex, guy. Alex Volkov. Boris Kachuk has been pretty good as well. Um, I need my, I need the, any AHL listeners to, to let us know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's not Cal Foot coming up front. Yeah, defense. that's it. That's that's a, yeah. Sorry, that's a guy in defense. Let me check their their reserve list. <laughs> There's. Any guys that could well probably not next year. Like there's a guy like Maxim. I'm just going. This is Maxim Kajkovic. That's just a guy I see on NHL. If I'm being honest, uh, NHL 20. I mean, he was a point per over a point per game in yeah in uh, in the queue this year for St. John's. I don't know. I just think trading Steven Stamkos and I think we've gone way too long on trading Steven Stamkos because we don't both trade agree. him. Yeah. Don't trade him. I just think Adam, don't trade him. Unless, like if you want, go and play NHL 20 and maybe you can trade him. Yeah. Like, be, and I think Adam's argument was you're going to trade. Um, what are the chances that we're talking about Tampa Bay? And I just got a notification that the Tampa Bay lightning have started a live video. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying conspiracy theory. Um, Call Joe Rogan. They're watching us. Call Joe Rogan right now. Um, What was I saying? Oh, it was about Matt Dumba. Because remember we heard that there was rumors about Matt Dumba and Tampa Bay Lightning being, and the Tampa Bay Lightning being interested in Matt Dumba. How the hell do you fit Matt Dumba in that team? You can't like, you're already having trouble resigning Sergachev and, and Sorelli. So like get for Dumba. No. <laughs> okay, just hear me out here. Let me imagine a f- top four of Hedman Dumba, McDonough, McDonough, Sergachev. You don't bring back Kevin Shankirk, uh, unfortunately. Or Zach Bogosian. Or, or Zach Shen. Bogosian, How unless he's taking. Pardon. Unless Luke Shen like commits long term, I think then you don't resign him. What? Luke Shen committing long term. Yeah. Where where are you talking? Oh, he's coming back to the Leafs to be that right-handed shot they needed on the bottom pair. I can only dream. I think we've I think when we talk about that, we've know we know we've gone too long. (laughs) 
Um, and then you have Bra- the good old days. Yeah, good old, just so good. And then you got yeah. like Braden uh, Coburn and Eric Cernak as your bottom pair. Like, who even cares? That's solid. Eric Cernak's like this a team. rock. This team is nuts. Yeah. My God. Okay, but so yeah. we've we're we're quite confident that we're not trading. We're not. Okay, that's good. That's good. Okay. We both think Tampa Bay is going to win tonight. We both I think, think so. we both think you shouldn't trade. Um, Steven Stamp goes. Steven Stamp trade Tyler goes. Johnson first, and then think about the rest yeah. of the roster. Yeah, yeah, that's a mm-hmm. good idea. Okay, Daniel, why don't you uh, end the episode for us? Well, listeners, this has been quite the long episode. This was fun. Um, uh, we're happy. To, we're happy that you kind of took the time to listen to first of all our random montreal canadians intro um how our days went with school and <laughs> despite that we're still putting in the effort to produce this content um thank you again to voice ed for giving us that platform um check us out on spotify if you want to see our crazy random hand gestures that we keep mentioning please check out the youtube please remember to subscribe um if there's anything, did you like the episode? Did you not like it? Give us a rating. If you didn't like it, tell us why. If you love something. Constructive criticism. Yes. Tell us not, as well. What did you like yeah. about it? You know, we'll we'll address it. We'll <laughs> we'll do our best. You know, we're we're listening to what you guys need to say. So until next time, uh this is Daniel. It's and Alex. And I'm Alex. Hi. Yes. Hi, Alex. And we'll see you guys. <laughs> okay, Bye. See you. Bye.